Mark's gospel, the uh, first chapter and the 10th verse is kind of the takeoff on our text today. The message tonight, he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. How many of you have a Super Bowl team that you're really passionate about in the Super Bowl tonight? Okay. Okay, I, I asked the question, how many have a team that you're really passionate about? How many really don't give a rip, you know? Okay. We're still going to have a five to six service tonight. <laughs> all the, all the giver-rippers, you just show up at five, okay? He's unstoppable. So Mark uh, gets right into it. This is a new series of Jesus kind of life. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> Don't you appreciate it when people live up to what they testify about? Don't you? I mean, aren't you, aren't you encouraged when you see an authentic Christian Aren't you encouraged when you see an authentic business person? I mean, they, they live up to what they say they're going to do, and particularly uh, a person who's a professing believer. A- out of that person, you're not going to hear them use a bunch of slang language. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to see them engage in a behavior that, that just rip apart their temper and abuse their family. They're not going to hide money under the table. They're going to face off with Uncle Sam in a legitimate way. They're going to show up for church. They're going to be where they're supposed to be on the Lord's Day. They're going to witness. They're going to raise their family. They're going to understand prayer, a Jesus kind of life. And I think that's important. The Gospel of Mark, he gets right into it. In the first chapter, he talks to John the Baptist preparing the way. And uh, for Jesus, he talks about the baptism and the temptation of Jesus. He deals with that. He deals with the calling of the first disciples. He ta- I mean, he just nails right in there. And then our key text, Mark 1, verse 14, here's what he said. After John, that's the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee <clears throat> proclaiming the what? Come on, help me out now. Proclaiming the what? The good news of God. That's what Jesus, here he is. Right off the bat, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Then what? Repent and believe the good news. That's his message. That simple. Repent and believe the good news. Repent. Everything changes as we just saying about. You see, when he stated that, the people that he was preaching to didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They didn't grasp it in any way, shape, or form. They were too steeped in religion, too steeped in their religious rituals that it was unbelievable. When Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus chose the first disciples, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They didn't understand that. It was an important message, though, and not until those individuals actually experienced the regenerating power of conversion. They didn't grasp anything that Jesus was talking about. And don't expect your unsaved friends to understand why you go to church, why you tithe, why you testify, why you read your Word, because they don't have the mindset as it relates to a conversion through Jesus Christ. It's misunderstood by individuals in the church today, in believers. 
Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, my little children, that's us, for whom I am again in pain of childbirth until Christ is, (coughs) here's a key word, formed in you. What do you mean? What is Paul saying? He's saying, okay, that he is in labor, it's painful, and the initial come on into the family of God, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But then he said, I suffer in pain because I want Christ formed in you. I want you to have a developmental process. Is it possible that Christ can be formed in each of us, should be formed in each of us? Well, sure. We are formed by the media. If you want to know what your opinion is, turn on the television. They'll tell you what your opinion is. You're formed by your culture. If you don't know what's right or you don't care about what's wrong, just follow your culture. Parents form children, supposed to. Schools, academics form the mind of individuals and the environment with which we're in. Some people say, I'm for that, and they don't even know why or even understand. Paul is telling us it is possible that you and I, as believers now serving Jesus Christ, can be reformed over a period of time that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, causes us to think like Jesus, to behave like Jesus, to have the heart of Jesus, to understand what Jesus respects. And he said, it happens in your life, but it does not happen automatically the word formed out of the original language was metaphory. Metaphory, it's where we get the word metamorphosis out of. He said, and actually a metamorphosis takes place in a person's life. One of the great toys that some have today is, how many remember the Power Rangers? May I see your hand? How many have a grandkid, a kid? How many of you still have your little Power Rangers? There was a program on television that didn't go over very well. It was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. What it is, they take a Power Ranger and you can change it around and it can become something that you thought never could it become. But when it morphs, when it morphs, it becomes powerful, supernaturally driven. It's morphing time. That's what they say. And this is what the Word of God is saying to us through the writings of Mark. He said, you ought to be transformed and you ought to be formed. Your life ought to be different. You should not behave the way culture or everyone else behaves. You ought to live a Jesus kind of life. You ought to understand what it means to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and live up to the expectations of the Holy Spirit according to the Word of God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, We who with unveiled faces all reflect what? All reflect what? The Lord's glory. When you look in the mirror, he said, you ought to reflect the Lord's glory. And you're yet being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. That's what that word transform means. It is the metamorphosis that says you are transformed into the privilege of Jesus Christ, into his likeness. You understand how he thinks, how he behaves, what is good, what is bad, all out of the word of God. Paul writes in Romans 12, verse number two, be careful though, don't you be conformed to this world, but you be transformed Let a metamorphosis take place, transformed by the renewing or the disciplines of your mind. He said right there, nothing in your body works without the mind 
giving you the permission to be able to accomplish that. And we as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that your body in general, you're going to be born a baby, then you're going to become an adolescent, and then you're going to become a a teen, then you're going to become a young adult, and then a young adult, a middle adult, and a middle adult, you're going to become an older adult. And that's all going to take place if you eat and you exercise, just the way it is. Just the way it is. It's the way nature was made. But your spirit, man, will not, will not grow and become the adult in Christ Jesus spiritually in your life unless you buy your mind and a decision to say, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm going to live as Jesus would live in and through me. The problem today is we have too many other things that get in our way. Most of all know, most of us know that the New Testament says we ought to function with the expectation of the New Testament. That's what Jesus said. I want you to be like me, be followers of me. That is a New Testament. There is a problem, however, today in churches. Churches are far too religious. Many churches are are in a crisis, and I'm going to share with you, not this church, of course, because all of us in this church, we're all perfect. People aren't changing from the inside out. Let me tell you, a book entitled War in the Pews. War in the Pews. Actual conflicts in the church. Some churches split over whether or not they ought to put a kitchen in the fellowship hall. And they get together and pile on one another and whether they ought to to put a kitchen there. I've been around and been in churches and in this particular meeting, the lady did not like what the man said in the annual business meeting. And I want you to know that she reached up behind him and opened her mouth and bit down on his ear. I mean, bit down with all her might. His only salvation is her teeth came out. (laughs) That was it. I've been in meetings where where a friend of mine conducted the meeting and a lady did not like the decision that he's made as chairman of the meeting. And she went back, he's standing there ready to go, had his briefcase in his hand. She looked up at him and said, I don't like you. And buddy, she took the palm of her hand and she cold flat slapped him right upside his face. His lips went just like that. You know what the miracle was? He didn't react to her. He wanted to. He shook but he didn't, all in church. I'm saying, what kind of behavior is that? Do you know that gossipers are still alive and well in far too many churches? And may I suggest to you that suspicion and gossip are two different gifts. You know it? Two different gifts. We all know judgmental attitudes are still in the church today. What's wrong? What's wrong? We're not spending enough time being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're not spending enough time and say, should I react like culture? Should I react like I see on media? Should I react? Well, if the media of the school is for it, et cetera, is that how I react? No, he said, react by what's in here. Come on, wake up, church. It's important in these last days because you understand that Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of God is now. He is coming and coming again soon. The natural law is we're going to grow. But the spiritual law says you got to stick with the plan. You just got to be able to do that. I visited some churches. 
my travels and traveling in more than 300 churches a number of years ago before coming to Victory and serving in the Assembly of God headquarters. And I, I, I would walk in churches and because you were a district official, people thought they could tell you all the woes of the church. And then you'd run into some, I shook hands, had one lady at, you know, how are you doing today? You're trying to be nice. I am mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. Just, and I'm thinking, that's wonderful. If I were a visitor, I'd turn right back around and go out. And I would not come back to this church. And then I had some that would say, hey, brother, we're so glad you're here. You, if you could take a few minutes, there's a group right over there. You see them? I'm telling you what, they need to get out of the church right here and right now. They need to get out. You see, all that happens in church. I, I have seen it. I have seen it myself. I know it's there. Why? Why is it there? Why is it there? We're not desiring to live and walk like Jesus. We can do all. Oh, do these people go to church? You better believe it. Are they protecting their seat? You better believe it. That's the seat their daddy paid for, and ain't nobody going to sit in it. And they give them a building fund, and they read their Bible, but they don't change. You know why they don't change? They parked in a slot when they got saved and thought that's all there is to it. It is not all there is to it. We're to become more vibrant about the love of Jesus every single day that we serve God. We should not get carried away with all the worship songs and all the hymns and everything else. Somebody might get carried away, and we cannot walk a straight line spiritually under pressure through the power of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. When the church shines, i got to tell you, it will draw people like a magnet and say, that's the person I want to be like. Come on, help me out. Preach, preacher important. How do you do that? You're not here by accident today. You're here by divine anointing and direction for the Lord. They have decided, hey, you can have both. That's not a reality. Let me, let me give you an illustration. You see, we ought to change. We ought to be, you ought to see, you know, I, I talked about someone the other day. Uh, to, I said, you know what? They have mellowed. How many of you know someone that's mellowed? I mean, yeah, I know Ronnie, you have. Others have just kind of mellowed. Mike, I know you have just kind of mellow. I mean, I'm, I've mellowed out. I mean, I am so, mm, and, I, and I know that. <clears throat> I mean, know what it's like to, to have to drive through an area where there, the road is under construction. How many of you say, I will go out of my way to get to drive through road construction? Anybody? <laughs> I mean, you go through there, so you go through it and say, oh, here are the signs, and, and there, then, then all the equipment arrives, and then you got a lane change that goes over here, and you say, man, six months. Here we are, six months. It's as nasty as it's ever been, 12 months into the program. Think, my Lord, now they're rebuilding a bridge over there. And now it's it, and it's just messy, and got to pull the deal up. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but if the guy's out there and it is slow, he's got the sign, and I see his wrist, and I'm coming up on it, his wrist beginning to, I blink my light, say, don't you turn that slow into stop. You wait. <coughs> if you don't mind, I'll bring you lunch sometime. But let me go. I mean, I mean, everybody knows what it's like? Well, let me ask you this question. How long would you take that route if the road construction for the five miles, that's road construction, and for 10 years, 
you keep driving through there and it's just as messy with no improvements whatsoever for 10 years and you say they haven't done one lickety split thing all they keep doing is stirring the mud and running the equipment up and down you know what you want to see i don't mind it being under construction for a while but after a while, I want smooth highway. I want the barriers to be, I want the man holding the sign gone. I want to be able to rev it on up to whatever the speed limit is, 70, you know, 70 miles an hour. I want to, that's what I want to see. You know what happens today among far too many people that are more religious than living out the life of Jesus? You can talk to them a year and then you can wait 10 years and go back in that same church, meet that same individual, and they haven't changed one bit. They're still angry. They're still bitter. They still want to talk. They still want to fuss. They still don't want to do what's right. They still want to put you over in a corner. And you say, what is up with that? And I'm telling you, the day is coming. Read your word. The kingdom of heaven is at hand that God is going to get us to the place. He's not going to tolerate that kind of behavior much longer. Come on, somebody. And so today we find in our message where Mark is teaching and we find the value of what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Sheldon Van Arken, he wrote a, wrote a book and he said, the greatest argument for Christianity is Christians. He said, the most compelling reason people become Christians is other Christians. And he said, when they follow Jesus, they begin to live the kind of life nothing is more compelling to a person that's not a follower than watching a person really live out their life. Sir, do you think your wife ought to ever have to tell you to get up and go to church? What's wrong with you? Men are going to give an account because you are the umbrella. This is yard talk, so get ready. You are the umbrella of that family, whether you know it or not. And if you allow holes in that umbrella of your life to open up and you don't repair them and get them right, your whole family, your whole family is going to suffer for the lack of spiritual leadership in your own life. Somebody say amen. So it works. There is a priesthood in the family. And then, lady, let me say something to you. He may not be the greatest leader in the world. He may not be the man that is the most spiritual in the world. But get off his back. Pray for him. Lift him up in the name of Jesus Christ. Begin to treat him like the man of God. You want to be treated well. He doesn't treat me that way. You're not in a wrestling match. You're in a marriage that ought to be blessed by God. Live it out by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't tell my kids. I value their soul when they were small and coming up. You want to go to church today? No. My kids did not parrot me. When the doors of the church are open, guess where we are going to be? Amen? My mother believed it so much if you were sick back in the day. Well, that's a good opportunity for you to get healed. Come on down. We'll get you in the altar, and we'll pray you through, and you will get healed. Hallelujah. I got prayed for not because I was sick. 
because God needed to yank my chain. All right, let me get back online. That was not in the notes. But there'll be some plays tonight in the Super Bowl that's not in the book. You watch, I'm telling you. See, he says, but on the other hand, how many people are radically and permanently repelled from the way Christians are unfeeling, unapproachable, boring, lifeless, and seemingly dissatisfied? How many say, that's the way it is. I don't want any part of it. I don't mind telling you, people are going to call us hypocrites. Come on, give it to me. I tell people, just take that sting away. That's you, nothing but a hypocrite. Hallelujah. I got a long way to go. When you take that away, well, the church didn't help me. Well, no, what'd you expect? We have, we have ESPN or whatever it is, ESP or some kind of something that we ought to know when you're in the hospital and you don't call or tell anybody that you're sick and then you expect us all of a sudden just to show up. Is this my regular Sunday morning group here? Or you, you came from another church. You understand what I'm trying to suggest to you. All right, in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he said, is it possible for an ordinary human being to be transformed? Is that possible? You young people up there, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not being led by the culture, not be led by the culture, but live because there's something on fire in your heart that cannot be stopped by the grace of God. Can you be transformed? Mark 1.14, John the Baptist was arrested. His ministry came to an end. Jesus summarized what he said. Then Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. He said, that's what I'm here for. John is done now. It's me. Two great moments. Number one is the moment of creation. That was a big moment. The other moment was the moment of, of, of mankind in failure. Creation, God created Adam and Eve. The second one is defined as the moment of the fall. The moment of the fall. How sad. Satan thought, okay, now I didn't mind Adam and Eve, the creation but I tempted, I sent the right persuasion through the serpent. I tempted Eve, I tempted Adam. Now, there is a huge gap. I win. Huge gap between perfection, between living for God, being a follower of God, and now you are paying attention to your carnal nature. Big gap that is there. And it stood that way for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Do what you want to. Live like you want to. Children of Israel... You guys can behave all you want to as long as you're getting your nice little miracles, but then the first time there's not enough flour in the bin, you chart off and go worshiping another God. Is that how you want to live? Hello? It's like some children in the family, as long as dad's forking out the money, forking out the car keys, forking out a place to stay, forking out uh, an allowance, forking out a MasterCard, as long as dad does that, but that kid misbehave and dad says, let me have the keys, let me have the card, let me tell you something else, you're going to either abide by the rules of our home, my friend, or you're not going to get these back. And you know what they're going to do? Hey, mom and dad, I don't love you anymore. Well, be grateful, Mom and Dad, because it won't cost you as much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Everybody know what I'm saying. This thing, is, this thing is serious. Why? Because he's coming. So here's what else he says we need to do. <clears throat> 
And the story of of a little kid when he was two years of age, he was obsessed with fans, not funeral home fans, but I mean a ceiling fan. I mean, he just, two years of age, two and a half, ceiling fan. He had an oscillating, is that what they call it, oscillating fan. He loved that. He was just a fan fanatic. I mean, I thought, well, this, this is interesting. And after he, probably a year, year and a half after that, he's somewhere around five years of age, maybe a couple of years. He's now, he's, 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 he loves garage doors up and down, up and down. I mean, you get the garage door opener and go, and he did. He'd get in the car, let me do it. And that, he loved that. He'd get, up, he'd get up early in the morning, go stand at the window to look to see when the neighbor's garage door would come up. He just was obsessed with it. He came through. I'm beginning to think there's something wrong with this kid. <clears throat> but he's not my kid. So then he became obsessed when he was seven or eight years of age with the weather. I mean, say, they didn't watch much television in that house, but they had a chance, okay, you get an hour a day. Most kids his age go see Nickelodeon. But he, he went to the Weather Channel. Watch the weather. Hey, Dad. Dad, you know in Portland it's going to be five degrees below, below zero today? It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to have some kind of a... Hey, Dad, you know up in Buffalo they're going to have sleet and snow again today? Wow, Dad. He'd take the paper from Dad and just kind of read the weather forecast. But he'd say, Dad, I've always wanted, I've always wanted a blizzard. I want a blizzard. I want a blizzard. I'd say, well, let's go. Dairy Queen's down the street. But his dad knew what he wanted. He said, son, here's the paper. It says, maybe Friday a blizzard might come through. He just went to crying. Why are you crying, son? He said, daddy, it's maybe. He said, I want to see. I, I can't wait until we have a blizzard. Wow. Didn't happen that Friday. Went into the next week. Uncle Tony came. Uncle Tony came and stayed three days. The kid, he talked about weather. Uncle Tony, I want to see a blizzard. Tony was there. Tony left, and Dad came in. After Tony has left, that was his brother, and and saw his little boy crying behind a chair, and he said, uh, you know, what's wrong, son? I know you're probably brokenhearted because Uncle Tony left. He said, no, I'm not. I'm not sad, Dad. I'm sad because I saw the paper and the Weather Channel said that we might get a blizzard in five or six days. And he said, Dad, I, I, am, I might get one. Hang on, son. The point is, he was longing for the time to be fulfilled that he could see and experience a blizzard. And that rule is life. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, proclaim the good news of the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus around Galilee said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
You know what will help keep us focused is remembering the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. It could happen. He's saying, church, I want you to know the way he sees it in spiritual terms, the earth is pregnant, ready for delivery. He says, the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and he says, okay, and the kingdom of God is in you. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He says, if people see you, then they have seen me. Amen. My mind, my heart, my kingdom is in you. I long for the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. You say, but I have family members that are lost. They can get busy. I have relatives that are lost, get busy. You represent the kingdom to them. So this is no longer just a message. It's no longer what does it mean to have a Jesus kind of life. That's the life that we ought to live. Amen. That's the spirit that we ought to have. Amen. That's the future of the church. That's the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's who, friend, whether we like it or not, that's who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. Would you put your hands together and let's give God a praise. Would you stand? Would you stand? Father, <clears throat> there is no one, no one like Jesus. There is no need that is too great that you cannot overcome. There is no problem that is so large, but what you cannot bring a solution. God, sometimes I forget who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the church forgets who we are. We're not just 1401 Griffin Road in Lakeland, Florida. We are the representative of all of heaven, representative of the kingdom. When people drive by here, they need to see, hey, that's a place that I can go and get healing. I can get a straightforward message. I can go there and I can feel love and I can be accepted and I can go there and I know that those people are going to be friendly. I know that if I follow any one of them without their knowledge, they're not going to wind up down at the bar. They're not going to wind up spouting off with bad language or slapping of temper or be arrested. They're going to live out their life for Jesus. They're not going to be crooked in their business dealings. They're not going to cheat Uncle Sam if they can. They're going to live the kind of life that reflects you, Lord. And we know that this message really cuts to the quick of our hearts. We know when we're following the kind of life Jesus, we don't 
have to think about what we ought to do. We just know what we know to do, and we do it. We don't point our finger at other people for our lack in our spirit, man. We don't do that. What we want to be and what we want to hear is well done, well done, thou faithful servant. But that will not happen by accident. We will not grow and have metamorphosis in our life that takes us from that new beginning believer to the mature believer that, that has now fruit in our life for others to have. And we'll not be led by popular opinion. We're led by what thus saith the Lord. That's the Bible. And that's the kind of life we want. We're not going to be led by a peer group or someone. If they believe that we're going to haze some kid and we're going to haze them to the point, oh, hazing is a part of the university life. It's not pleasing to God to create pain for anybody at all. Jesus, we need your help. We desire to get on track. We desire to hear the words being echoed already in our future. Well, well done. Well done. For that to happen, we're going to have to make a disciplined decision in our head. God, I want to follow you. My life's not about one event after another. It's not about a Super Bowl. It's not about any other activity. It's about you. It's about who you are. It's about you, Jesus. So just in case there's some of you listening online, you're going to join us in this prayer where you are. And others in this room, if you say, God, I need to kind of, I need to make a few adjustments here through the power of the Spirit. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer. Would you do that? Here we go. Dear Jesus, I have sinned. I made mistakes. Wrong decisions. I have made them. But today, I'm making the right decision. I am surrendering my heart to you. I'm not going to have secrets. I am not going to hide. I'm going to stand straight up and honor your word. So here is my life. Show it to anyone you desire. And I promise you, Lord, it will bring glory to you. So take my hand and lead me where you desire for me to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the word of God is in James 5, 14. It says, if you're sick, it's what the Bible says. The sick, then you just come and you're anointed. There's something about agreement. I need to be anointed. I need deliverance. I need healing. Why should anybody who is a professing believer have a path and hear instruction and then not do it? What would make a person not do it? One of God's angels? No. Only the influence that would keep you away from your answer. But your answer will only come through God's way. I'm telling you straight out, friend. And I hope you appreciate that. Because when I get to heaven, I want to know, Lord, I didn't hide from anything. As much as I could, I gave him straight out truth. And we trust God together. So while we sing, if you need prayer... God's laid somebody on your heart. You come on down right now. And then we'll give the benediction. Hang with me until we get to the benediction. Here we go. <clears throat>
Let me give you a word. You cannot react to your disappointments in a way that is not pleasing to your Heavenly Father. You cannot react to those things that have come against you and that have not blessed you and fail to allow God to work through you. I ask you to rejoice. I have given you favor in the past. I've laid my creative hand on you, and I've given you more favor than you ever dreamed of. My favor is still with you, even though the manifestation of the place that you're in right now seems like it's withdrawn. But do not become weary. Stay the course. Remember to stay close to me. If you fail to stay close to me, you will miss what I have to reward you with. Father, I speak those words that you have spoken to me. So now in your name, let it be encouragement to anyone that you have desired to touch their heart now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And before I give the benediction, I'm going to tell you something else. Your marriage is on its final leg. Nobody knows it. But your marriage has no life into it. It is dead. Your marriage belongs to God. Your marriage can be redeemed. If you are willing to reach out to Jesus and let God heal it and start you on a process that will bring happiness in your future, your answer is not found in the courts of the world. Your answer is found in the altar of Jesus Christ. 
So I want to say that to you. If that's you and some couple and you're here, you just come on down. We want to pray for you. Somebody take the lead on the move for that. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for this congregation. Tonight's message, unstoppable. I pray that you'll guide us in that one-hour service. Let the Holy Spirit come down and fall, minister, and meet the need of every family. We look to you, Lord. I don't know what team some people are for. I don't know, and I don't know that it's not going to make a bit of difference in eternity. But Lord, here's what I know. When I talk about Jesus, he had no place to lay his head. And even though he had no place to lay his head, even the fowl and the eagles of this world had a nest. Thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody.